live on Mega Powers Radio. It's Saturday night! It's Saturday night! Presented by Fanboys Anonymous. Featuring Caitlin Dooley. Gabe Reboot. Brianna Gatan. Sean Hamilton. Jonathan Jackson. Samuel Lasio, Anthony Mango, Caroline Oliveira, Michael Payton, Jeff Hatter, Eddie Sakira, Tam Toe, Stephen. And your host, Chris the Dace Man Dace. Musical guest back because Beyonce's not talented. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Chris the Dace Man what is up fanboys and fangirls welcome to a special edition here on mega powers radio where we're going to be talking about saturday night live if you're watching tv right now you'll see that the red carpet event is live it has sarah palin alec baldwin and a bunch of other people i don't know uh, all those people that were previously listed in the intro, of course, are not here, but we've got a great show for you tonight. I do not doubt that. Joining us, we will have Anthony Mango. Hey, hey, everybody, what's up? And, of the same genetics, Randy Dace. Hey, how's so, it going? <laughs> we've got a great show for you tonight. We're going to be talking about uh, everything Saturday Night Live related. Uh, we're going to go down memory lane. I've got the red carpet event live on the screen to my uh, right but let's jump into it and get rocking and rolling. First thing we're going to talk about here is one of our what's our favorite moment? Why are we drawn to Saturday Night Live as viewers? And I'm going to start with you, uh, Tony. Why are you drawn to Saturday Night Live? Well, I can't speak about anything recently because I stopped watching SNL a couple years ago. But uh, generally speaking, the improv concept is really solid. Uh, you can look at a show like Saturday Night Live and you can try to replicate it, but Mad TV and a bunch of other shows have shown us that you can't just take the concept, throw a bunch of other people in there, and hope that they do the same thing. There's something a little bit special about SNL, and that's why they've been around for 40 years. Randy, you being a part of the younger generation and not really going to understand what we're talking about when we talk about like the 90s, the 80s, and hell, definitely not the 70s. Um, I'm not even going to get that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about Saturday Night Live? What draws it to you being a voice of the younger generation? I think my favorite aspect of it is the it's a live show and all the mistakes are still going to be presented to the audience. And I just... 
I really enjoy when they break character and they laugh and it's like you can just see it's like a celebration of comedy. Nice. That's very well put for someone of your generation. So you you're obviously a Jimmy Fallon fan then, right? Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> uh Tony, what are your thoughts on Jimmy Fallon? He is probably the the top guy when it comes to breaking scenes. I don't know if he's the top. Uh, somebody who I'm sure I'm going to run down quite a bit later on, Horatio Sands. He was mm. pretty bad. Fallon is kind of... um. I don't know. I mean, I appreciate Fallon uh, for being as good as he is at what he does. But I think he gets a little bit too much credit. It's a little tough because I liked him a lot more on SNL than I did at his own show. Mm-hmm. But what I've seen from The Tonight Show, he seems like he's gotten a little bit better. So maybe he's grown up a little bit from the past couple of years, and he was funnier when he hadn't grown up at all or something. <laughs> I don't know what the, <laughs> the case is with that. But uh, Jimmy Fallon's a lot better than a lot of other people that have been on the show, that's for sure. So since we're, we're highlighting people, just on the, if you're watching the red carpet live and listening to us here on Mega Powers Radio, you'll see that Eddie Murphy's on the screen, which is, is huge for this event. He hasn't been on SNL in almost 30 years, and he is here tonight to participate in the 40th anniversary. Who is he what standing th- next to? Uh, Al Roker. And then I guess oh, I wasn't talking about Al Roker. I was talking about <laughs> his wife or something. She is gorgeous. Yeah. There's... <laughs> I don't know. Did you? I, I get completely off guard. Are you watching? Where just some guy in a purple hat just walked by? Yeah, <laughs> completely threw me off. Um, He's just pacing in the background. <laughs> um, but Eddie Murphy's huge addition to this, and this is before any of he was on SNL before any of us were born. Um, what do you? How, how do you think? He he kind of had the Chevy Chase scenario where he he took off. He launched into like unproportional like success in Hollywood. And to be honest with you, I don't know what he's done as of late. Pluto Nash sequels, maybe? <laughs> yeah. Like, it got Norbit. Uh, um, what do you think does it mean that Eddie Murphy's returned tonight? Hopefully that means he has become humble about his career and he's not going to do that garbage anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe he kind of is looking at this as like, well, these are my roots. And I remember when I used to be funny. So I should try. <laughs> Oh, there's Dan Aykroyd on the red carpet now, um, and uh, the the other Belushi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, freaking uh, John Belushi pops up. That'll be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Randy, what are your thoughts on Eddie Murphy's return? I mean, you, know, you probably haven't seen any of his earlier stuff. Yeah, not at all. But like Tony was saying, I think it, he's really showing appreciation from where he came from, and he's he's reflecting on the years he spent there. Tony, are you familiar with a lot of Eddie's work when it comes to Saturday Night Live or no? Not a whole lot. I mean, like you had said, we were not even bored when these guys were doing that kind of stuff. By the way, Dan Aykroyd looks terrible. Oh, God, yeah. God. Glad he's uh, not going to be a Ghostbuster. He looks like, uh, <laughs> what's the name of the guy that Andy Kaufman played? Oh. The fake character? Oh, shit. Tony Clifton? Uh, yeah, Tony Clifton. Yeah, he looks like that. My God, he looks terrible. Um, Eddie Murphy, though... Uh, Two things that I do remember from him, uh, from just watching like old clip shows and stuff like that, he did some kind of a like musical number before with like a hot tub or something. I think it was a musical number. It might not have been. I think it was like a James Brown hot tub scene or something. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I can't remember if there was a song to it or what, but there probably was. Uh, and another musical kind of thing was when they were making fun of the Little Rascals, and he's supposed to be Buckwheat. 
Yes. And uh, the whole Wook and Penub and all that. That's when you didn't have to do things that were just raunchy to get laughs. Uh, it's it's funny because some of my favorite Murphy skits, and you, we, being so, people who have uh, were not growing up in this era, we only experience what we see from the highlight reels. The Gumby and the Mr. Rogers uh, parodies <laughs> I thought were great, especially the Mr. Rogers one where they he's like in Compton or something. I don't know where the hell he's at, but he's not in a good part of the neighborhood. And uh, he, he was hilarious. And he only spent like maybe three years on the show before he got big. Um, to talk a little bit more about the casting and stuff like that, the original uh, Not Ready for Time uh, Primetime Players kicked off in 1975. Uh, we're looking at one of the originals right there right now, Dan Hackward, who has not aged well. Um, <laughs> the thing that when the turn of the, cent- or turn of the decade came, uh, Lauren Michaels had cited that he, hey, I'm kind of burnout. It's a little bit, we, we just went five years hard, a lot of cocaine, a lot of drugs. <laughs> um, <laughs> the entire cast walked with him. So in 1980, they tried to recast and just go with the flow again. And they brought in some like uh, names that are kind of big now, but at the same time, um, well, it's just, uh, some names that were on the show were like Gilbert Godfrey, uh, Eddie Murphy made his debut, Joe Piscopo, who I didn't know who he was except for a Scrubs reference, uh, <laughs> Charles Rocket, uh, and then a bunch of other like one-time appearance people. This has been marked as the potential death of this show. Like if they didn't make it past this year, it, it felt like it was going to die. The and some say that the only reason it survived was there was a writer's strike in 81. So it put the show on hold, which gave Dick Ebersol a chance to take over from, uh, some, I think her name was Jean, and try to put it in his direction. Do you think, uh, had that writer's guild strike not happened, we'd be standing here today talking about SNL? Uh, Tony? Probably not, because that cast just didn't seem to do it. Mm-hmm. Um the only thing I can remember from any like highlight reels or anything that dealt with those people was the uh, Joe Piscopo, Eddie Murphy, Ebony and Ivory thing. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, that's it. So they clearly didn't have like a treasure trove full of awesome moments that you can keep going back to and be like, God, I remember how this was funny. I remember how that was funny. Um, they must have just limped on just enough and they kind of have like their ups and downs. Like there are really strong cast members that when they leave, you can feel the presence that it's, you know, they're missed. But now I think we've even gotten to a point where it's just an institution. So mm-hmm. it's a good thing that they went through that little rough patch because now whatever much rough patch they can get through, people will just be like, all right, well, you know, next year I'll be different. The year after that'll be different. Yeah. And it took them about four or five years to get back on their feet. And about 85, 86, you, you had names like John Lovitz, Phil Hartman, Dana Carvey, and Kevin Nealon taking way. Which is funny because then ten years later when those four left, the ratings tanked again. Which is something that I found weird because the people that were still on the cast uh, didn't make sense that ratings would tank. Uh, you had Farley, Sandler, Spade, all those guys on that cast. And the year Hartman and uh, Dana Carvey left... The ratings dipped, uh, which was being considered like that's another potential death of the show Um, where Randy will probably know these because now we're getting into that generation 
Will Ferrell stepped in. Molly Shannon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sherry O'Terry, Chris Kattan, the new wave. Uh, Randy, what did you think of the new wave? Because it, it, that's kind of on the tail end of when you were just born, but recent enough that when reruns played, that's what you were seeing. Yeah. What did you think of those four coming in uh, and being the voice of more or less your generation? Well, I think, as you were saying, with the writer's strike and everything, that w- around that time is when Lorne Michaels like decided to give writers more of like a voice on the show, and they had them in- as actors and everything, and that really changed the game. And it went on to have several writers star in minor skits like Tina Fey, Seth Meyers, Peter Ackroyd, everyone. Um, <clears throat> and um, so when it got to about the 2000s, we had like a, a plethora of characters on there with will ferrell and molly shannon they i think that really brought it back because it was we were seeing new new people new skits new characters like new personalities and that speaking for my generation i think that really kicked off a new type of comedy well tony what are your thoughts on the the new generation considering i would think you and i are part of that generation of hartman sandler all those guys yeah yeah, that's my go-to cast, the David Spade kind of era, which I don't know if I, if I would classify that the David Spade era. <laughs> yeah. I kind it's of like just saying like, that's the Schneider era. <laughs> like, I will say, though, the one that comes after it, I do classify that the Will Ferrell era, mm-hmm. but there's no like one standout from the Adam Sandler kind of crew. Maybe Sandler would be the top one, I don't know. Um, but it's all more so like, you know, the group of people with, Sandler and Schneider and Mike Myers and, and you end up going through the whole list instead because uh, let's face it you know if you say the Will Ferrell era people will be like oh okay but if you go you know the one with Chris Kattan they'll be like wait when was that it was like 2008 <laughs> or something like. uh, but I think that um, more so when you were saying about the idea that we're the older group there's not really a weak link there, but there are several with the Will Ferrell ones. I mean, not, mm-hmm. you heard me go Ugh, with Molly Shannon. Molly Shannon is a pain in the ass when it comes to Saturday Night Live, and Chris Kattan was uh, meh. Um, there's a weird, like up and down period with a lot of these things where, when they first came in, a lot of these people had really great ideas, and then that's when they started to get really popular. Then they kind of didn't try as hard anymore. Will Ferrell did that a little bit, not as much as he did when he came to a movie career, because the movie career just became the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. I definitely prefer that older cast. Now, the, the cool thing is, between the cast we're talking about now, the, the early 90s and then the late 90s and the 2000s, spawned uh, the most movies. And the thing that kicked it off came from the cast that uh, Tony and I fondly reflect on uh, was Wayne's World, which was released February 4th, Valentine's Day, 92. Weird Valentine's movie, but it was released then. Being one of the most successful movies of its time. Um, but there was also a bunch of other movies. You had the Blues Brothers, that, and a, they had a sequel in 2000. Uh, you had Coneheads. You had the Wayne's World sequel. You had the uh, not-so-successful It's Pat that was pulled <laughs> after a week. Thank uh, God, that's it was a stupid ass sketch to begin with. Yeah, it made sixty thousand dollars opening weekend, and they said, "Nope, it's out of the theaters." Uh, you had the horrific bomb that was Stuart sta- saves his family, which 
Interesting note for us wrestling fans, Justin Roberts has a, co- a cameo in that movie. I don't even know what that's referencing. It, it's Stu- It's the Al Franken character. I don't even know that. I, I think it's that guy that talks into a mirror, isn't it? Huh. Stuart wow. Smiley, maybe? I don't know what his name is. Uh, then it also spawned movie? movies such fuck? as uh, A Night of the Roxbury, Farrell and Catan, Superstar with Tony's favorite alum, Molly Shannon, uh, <laughs> the, the Ladies' Man, which... How Tim Meadows got a solo feature after being on SNL for 10 years with only one reoccurring character, I'll never understand. <laughs> uh, and then MacGruber, which is the most recent one. It took him 10 years between Ladies' Man and MacGruber to get MacGruber out. Uh, also, SNL's credited the, at least the film division for inspiring the movie Office Space, which originated from a series of animated shorts by Mike Judge that aired in SNL in 93. Uh, the character Bob Roberts from the Tim Robbins film of the same name First appeared on SNL in a short film about the conservative folk singer. And the group The Folksmen first appeared on SNL, performing the song Old Joe Palace before later appearing in the film A Mighty Wind. And then Mr. Bill's Real Life Adventures is based off of the Mr. Bill sketches from the early seasons of SNL. So when it comes to films, which is about ten of them, uh, what was your favorite film? We'll start with you, Randy. Um... Gotta be honest, I haven't seen about half of them. Well, you need um, to get educated then, because there's at least three on here you should have seen. Yeah, I've seen Wayne's World. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's about <laughs> it. That might be the end of my list. <laughs> uh, Tony, what was your favorite movie out of this list? It's Pat? Co- I think it's Pat, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. It's Pat. Uh, I've only seen that about 1,500 times. <laughs> uh, sex? Yes, please. Ah. <laughs> it's Coneheads. Um, yes. I'm not as big on Wayne's World as a lot of people are, and I've never actually seen Blues Brothers. I think I've seen bits and pieces of it to where I've probably watched the whole movie, but uh, Night of the Roxbury just is not that good, and Superstar, fuck that movie. Uh, <laughs> Why Why would you fuck that movie? I don't understand. <laughs> well, I'm not going to fuck it's Pat. <laughs> Ladies Man was a sketch that I always liked on SNL. And the same thing for the Roxbury ones, too. They were funny. But the movies just don't seem like they would really work. Uh, I didn't see Ladies Man because, you know, you could tell that that was going to be awful. Oh, God, yeah. But uh, Coneheads was a pretty decent movie for the 90s. It was that, like, early 90s cheese factor that worked really well it's weird the out of all these movies they released the only ones that were actually made a profit in the u.s was the original blues brothers uh wayne's world and wayne's world 2 wayne's world 2 barely made a profit um like eight bucks (laughs) yeah it was actually eight million it was a 40 million dollar budget they made 48 million so they, (laughs) they barely got anything back um a Night of the Roxbury doubled the budget, so they, they made a profit. Superstar somehow made a profit. Ugh. And then everything else after that. Uh, MacGruber, late. Well, I think when it comes to Ladies Man and MacGruber, they were, like you said, good sketches. MacGruber was a 30 second sketch because he's mm-hmm. always racing a bomb and then just effed it up. Like, how can you make that into a movie? Uh, poor Will Forte. Um, but great I just. Sketches, could, yeah, I thought they were great sketches. It just it was kind of a stretch. Yeah, I like the song more than I like the damn sketch. Yeah, right. <laughs> Groover! Something, 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 McGroover! <laughs> but yeah, that, that's pretty much wraps up the whole the film section. Um, me personally, I was a big fan of Wayne's World. I actually did Garth one year for Halloween. Um, I'm a huge fan of Dana Carvey, which I think is a good segue 
to go into your top five favorite SNL uh, alum. Randy, we'll start with you because uh, we want to get your stupid judgments out of the way. What are <laughs> well, your top actually, five? <laughs> now that you just mentioned Dana Carvey, I got to throw him in on here. Um, Dana Carvey, Tina Fey, Jimmy Fallon, Amy Poehler, and Kristen Wiig. Such a, such a generational guy. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> holy crap, I feel old. Yeah, you probably should. <laughs> uh, it's, what? That was mean. <laughs> so, uh, Tony, what was your top five? Uh, I didn't prepare a full top five ahead of time. I just kind of wrote down some people that I thought didn't get as much credit as they should a lot of the time. Uh, two people in particular that really stand out to me as just they were awesome are Phil Hartman and Daryl Hammond. Yes. People don't ever bring up Daryl Hammond, but he was there for like 20 fucking years. Yeah, 14 years, and now he's, he took Don Pardo's spot. So. Oh, really? Yeah, he's the new uh, announcer since yeah, Don It's been that long since I've watched this. Yeah. Uh, I've always liked uh, Sherry O'Terry was really great. Um, even Rob Schneider was fun. Uh, Dana Carvey, of course, was great. Tim Meadows was good for his like uh, different roles that he would do. Um, Jane <laughs> Curtin back in the day was really good. You know, She was mm-hmm. pretty much like the only woman that could uh, handle that kind of a thing. And she pulled out Weekend Update, which is a lot. Yeah. Norm MacDonald, fucking amazing at that. Yeah. Uh, Underrated persons, Rachel Dratch. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, of course, you're gonna you can name the Will Ferrells and you can name the Adam Sandlers and stuff like that. But definitely, if I had to say a standout guy that never gets enough credits, Daryl Hammond, because that guy was just the man. Oh, without a doubt. And I'm I'm a big fan of uh, Dana Carvey. Of course, tops the list for me because his impressions and everything just his Ross Perot. I die every time he gets into that voice. <laughs> um, big fan of like you said, Daryl Hammond. He's He's done so much in his impressions. So as you can see, I'm geared towards impressionists. Uh, John Belushi was phenomenal. Um, It's really unfair to actually pick anybody from that first cast because they were just allowed to do whatever the hell they wanted. Just like no no restraints. It's like, hey, go out there and uh, you've got 90 minutes. Do what you'd like. Um, The first season, I think, uh, women-wise, you'd mentioned Jane Curtin, which she was phenomenal. Uh, Gilda Radner is always forever immortalized. Like everybody loves her, but I think <laughs> Lorraine Newman was really good too. Because uh, when they always described her, she was the eye candy of that group. But at the same time, she never did the same character twice. So she was phenomenal. Uh, Phil Hartman, legend. Um, and I, if you're going to get anyone from the newer side, I'm a big fan of Jason Sudeikis. Oh, I think yeah. he's cool. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. Uh, and I think he he actually he made it watchable during this trend. I feel like they're in another transitional period. Not that they have them anymore, but you know, Bill Hader's good, go. good too. Yes. Yeah. Which, I feel like with um, oh yeah, I feel like with um, what you were saying, the transitioning period, like the year that like Kristen Wiig, Fred Armisen, Jason Sudeikis, all then left. It was it was really hurtful to them. Well, right now, it, it definitely feels like they're trying to find their footing. They've yeah. got Keenan Thompson, who's obvi- who's playing the role of like a Daryl Hammond or a Tim Meadows. Is I'm the vet. I've been here for a while. I'm going to help you carry scenes. And then you've got guys like Jay Farrow and uh, uh, Taron Killam that I think could be breakout roles. Um, yeah. j- just based on other stuff they've done outside of it. And uh, Farrow has great impressions. Um just when bring back the other people from all that. 
yeah. to join Keenan Thompson. Bring Lori Beth Denberg and shit. Kel Mitchell. <laughs> oh, here it goes. <laughs> uh, we're talking about favorites. Now, across the, the seasons, there's been a mismatch of people who have had one-off appearances one season. Some names that come to mind that are actually big names and doing pretty well right now. But, like, yeah, like Sarah Silverman was on there for a year. Uh, ben Stiller was on there for a year. Randy Quaid. Just uh, Robert Downey Jr., Michael Anthony Hall. Uh, all these names have one-off appearances. Who do you think was the most out of place? Maybe not. I'm not going to say that they were the worst, but just out of place cast member. We'll start with you, Tony. I never saw any of his work on there, but I can't imagine Robert Downey Jr. doing a good job. And that's not to say that he's a bad actor or anything. I mean, he's great, but him doing improv back then in that kind of an environment, I don't think that that's a recipe for uh, something positive. Mm-hmm. Randy, who do you think? Uh, I assume it's going to be someone of the younger generation. Um, I think it's Sarah Silverman. She's too independent. <laughs> She's uh, when they. I remember watching episodes of her, and she's definitely just a background character. How she didn't last as long as Victoria Jackson, who I don't know what she did, um, <laughs> just baffled me. But I think Sarah was a bit raunchier, and yeah. I would imagine that in the writing meeting she probably pitched a lot of that. And they would go, we're on network TV. <laughs> go yeah. to Comedy Central. Um, I, I think, like we had said, uh, it's a lot of people who weren't good at the improv element. They went out and grabbed a bunch of big actors. It worked one year when they grabbed Martin Short, uh, Billy Crystal, uh, Christopher Guest. They all they all spent a year on SNL where it was phenomenal. But then they kind of pushed... Uh, Julia Dreyfus and like Jim Belushi and the other guys that were the year before the main cast members back to the background because now they're taking most of it up. So it's definitely um, it's got to be your environment. You got to be able to roll with the punches. And if you can't, it makes it tougher to be in this kind of a TV show, especially when you got people like Jimmy Fallon laughing at you trying to make you break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, oh, look, there's Mike Myers. Hey, Mike. I, I wonder if Carson Daly's going to say something about uh, George Bush not liking black people now that he's standing <laughs> next to Mike Myers. Oh, that'd be great. President – oh, no, you should say President Obama hates black people. That would completely throw Mike Myers <laughs> in the fucking circle. Like, what the hell is going on? Why does this happen to me? Uh, since we're still on the topic of casting, uh, I think it's a good time to take a moment and reflect on those that uh, will can't be there tonight. Uh, you have cast members such as John Belushi, who passed away from an overdose of a speedball in 1982. Uh, Gilda Radner, who passed away in 1989 from ovarian cancer. Uh, Denitra Vance, I don't know who she is, but she passed away in 94 from breast cancer. Michael O'Donohue, who passed away in 94 from a cerebral hemorrhage. Chris Farley, also overdosed from a speedball, who was mirroring John Belushi to a T in 97. Uh, Phil Hartman, who was murdered. In 98, which is, it's still weird to think that. Uh, and then Charles Rocket, who passed away in 2005 uh, from suicide. And Out Chevy these... Chase, who does not want to be there. <laughs> Chevy <laughs> Chase, who uh, just went on a racist rant and just killed his career on his own. Um, out of these guys, I think the four big names, I mean, there's only eight people, but uh, John Belushi and Gilda Radner are forever, like, icons they're they're immortalized everybody fondly remembers them i mean uh john didn't go out in the most honorable way i guess but at the same time uh same with farley and hartman he 
you like if you watched The Simpsons, if you watched Jingle All the Way, he, he was part of our childhood for the most part. Is there any? Let's say Phil Hartman was there today. Do you feel that there are any of these guys that can learn from some of these guys? Like uh, if you had to talk to this cast today, Randy, I'm gonna start with you, and you're talking to all these uh, names. Is that Dave Chappelle? Yeah, he looks old. Huh. Yeah, he does. <clears throat> <laughs> completely distracted. Uh, God, yeah, he's old as hell, man, and kind of heavier. Um, Randy, if you had to talk to these guys today and you wanted to see one of these eight, like, reincarnated, who would you tell them to, like, look, go back, study his tapes, and that is how you do comedy? Chris Farley. Very interesting. Tony, if you had to tell these guys, sit back, watch tapes, who would it be? That'd have to be Hartman. Uh, Hartman would be somebody who could explain it more. I think um, somebody like a John Belushi, he was great at what he did, but I can't imagine him ever growing up, <laughs> kind of. So where he would probably just be like uh, trying to party with the rest of the crew. And Phil Hartman could actually sit down and talk to them and be like, look, this is what I got to say about comedic timing. This is what uh, how you can be subtle about something and – how I could take a character of playing a caveman lawyer and pull... Or no, it was Frankenstein or was it a caveman? No, he did remember. both of them. <laughs> <laughs> if he could do, he could do both of them and pull them off. And, you know, uh, I think that he would be like the mentor role. Like, he probably would have hosted it a bunch of uh, times and he would have been great. Just a Nero. What the fuck? Did you just to go back to red carpet real quick before we move on to the next topic? Did you see when Chappelle was done talking? I don't have the audio on, but did he get cut off by that other guy and then completely like snubbed? Oh, I didn't notice that. It looked like Chappelle was going in for a handshake and the guy shook Ro- uh, Roker's hand and then just completely ignored Dave. <laughs> and Dave's standing below now, just staring at him and all like that just happened. The fuck, man. <laughs> uh, um, but speaking of hosts, we were talking about Phil Hartman, who would have definitely made it to this club without a doubt. There's the Five Timers Club. Now, there's a bunch of names on here. Uh, Paul Simon makes the cut because he was a musical guest on numerous occasions, but he came in with four appearances. Bill Murray's has five. Uh, Candace Bergen, who is one of two females on this list, has five. Uh, ben Affleck has five. Justin Timberlake has five. Uh, Elliot Gold has six. Danny DeVito has six. Drew Barrymore has six. Christopher Walken has seven. Both Tom Hanks and Chevy Chase have eight. Buck Henry has ten. John Goodman has 13, Steve Martin has 15, and Alec Baldwin tops the list with 16 host appearances. Now, we'll just keep it to the five-timers club because if we say, what's your favorite host, you've got to go over, God, 23 episodes a year and 40 years in the making. Holy shit. Um, and, of course, it's George Carlin. That's the right answer. There's no other who hosted the first episode. Uh, out of this list, who is your favorite host? Because obviously these guys are good enough that we got to consistently bring them back. Uh, Randy, we'll start with you. I personally like Alec Baldwin because of his skit, uh, the sweaty balls one. <laughs> uh, Tony, out of this five-timers club, uh, who would be your favorite host? Baldwin's definitely up there. I don't know if I'd pick him as my favorite. Tom Hanks is actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Justin Timberlake is, he's without a doubt the best musical guest that they've ever had because he gets interacting uh, in the actual show itself. But I think I'd have to go Steve Martin. 
Yeah, I agree. I that's, that's a probably good one. one I would have gone with. And Goodman's actually pretty good too. Yeah. Um, which in a side note, that's funny. They passed over Goodman in 1980 to be a player on huh. the show. Uh, they passed over him and Jeff, uh, Jim Carrey because they were up and coming comedians. Christopher Walken's another really good one. Yes. You could always tell he has a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and they did an interview with him, and the the cool thing about Walken was it was a chance for him to step out of the consistent uh, typecasting he got as scary motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a good chance for him to broaden his comedic horizon. Um, one of my favorite skits with Alec Baldwin was him in Canteen Boy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. He rips off his shirt, and he's like, oh, I seem to have a problem where my shirt came off. And Sandler goes, well, you can rectify that problem by putting your shirt back on. <laughs> But they, they all have good, great uh, 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 hosting gigs. And they've all done cameos, too. So even though they've only been 16 times as a host as Baldwin, he's he's made cameos from here and there. Same with Martin. Steve yeah, Martin like, actually helped launch the uh, the YouTube phenomenon that Sandberg and uh, Hader and Parnell did with the laser cats, um, which I thought his, little, his setup and the... Uh, Epilogue of that skit was great. Um, talking a little bit about the YouTube stuff, that that was huge for SNL. This SNL digital shorts thing that's going on now. Tony, we'll start with you. Do you have a favorite one, or possibly uh, just want to speak a little bit about how you think that's completely changed the direction of the way SNL is doing now? That goes to show you that you know you have to adjust with the times. It's a dying media in a lot of different ways that we've been used to. We went through the VHS era, we went through the DVD era, now we're in the digital era. And movie theaters need to figure out a different way to approach things like Netflix. And Saturday Night Live needs to throw in the YouTube content because you've got a lot of people, ourselves included, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. On YouTube that, uh, you know, they can prove themselves to be just as entertaining, if not more entertaining. And in short snippets, a lot of people like that more now. They'd rather watch a three-minute video than an hour-long special. I know one of the things that used to bother me, and still would if I really watched SNL still, uh, I've never cared about the musical guest. So it's better to take a bite-sized snippet of, like, one sketch that I like and watch that and tell my friends and be like, yo, just check this out. Here's, you know, uh, Jim, uh, John Belushi as a samurai cutting a sandwich and shit. Then to be like, watch this whole season of SNL and there's good sketches and bad ones and whatever. Uh, one of my favorite ones, though, I love the Lonely Island guys in general. Um, they've done a lot of good stuff. I yeah. do think, though, Lazy Sunday is overrated. But, That's the one they credit to kicking off YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> like they they like, oh, it's the Holy Grail. I, I don't think it's their best. I love uh, Jizz in My Pants yes. probably the most. If not that, then I'm on a boat. Or I, I like Dick in the Box that they did with uh, Timberlake. Yeah, that that's a huge milestone one that they did. And it just proves how good Justin Timberlake is too. I remember, and before I get to you, Randy, I remember the, uh, the interview they did with Lauren Michaels and he goes, so what's your idea again? And they're like, oh, we're going to put our junk in a box. We're like, uh, remember, this is the Christmas special. <laughs> so kids are going to be watching. Uh, so they bleeped out the word dick. <laughs> um, Randy, what is your favorite digital short, and how do you think it helped the show come along? Well, I'm, I'm along with you guys. I'm a fan of Lonely Island, and I like the Mother Lover one with Justin and uh, Andy. Nice. And I think... I think 
as Tony was saying, that the short snippets are really what people want to see nowadays. And I find it hard to like, especially with my age, talk to other people about uh, Saturday Night Live because they're kind of deterred from it because of the length. And they're, they don't want to sit down and watch uh, a sh- a f- our show and only like about 15 minutes of it. <laughs> Now, when it comes to SNL, one of my favorite things is uh, of all time is any time Dana Carvey showed up and did his Ross Perot imitation. It's just phenomenal. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to do it. Just these million miles a minute. Now, when it comes to politics, that's a huge hit for most of these uh, these seasons. Like you could be in the worst lull of SNL history, and then an electric comes along, and the politician says something stupid, and you're you're set for gold. Uh, Randy, we'll start with you since you're part of the newer generation and most of your top five consisted of people who look like uh, politicians. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the 2008? Uh, 2000 might be pushing it for you, but like those elections and the debates and the politicians and the impersonations that SNL did. Well, one of my favorite is um, the Sarah Palin and Hillary Clinton one with Tina and Amy. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it really... It, it swayed some people's opinions because you're laughing at these politicians and especially with Sarah Palin where she had to come on because she was like upset with how she was being portrayed and everything and then she had to make herself look better. I think it just it really makes you think more because it's not something you expect to see on a comedy show. Yeah, I think you hit the the nail on the head there. Is uh, at least for our generation, we get most of our news from comedy programs. I, me personally, yeah. I get all my news, not anymore, but from the Colbert Report and soon the Daily Show. Which again, I'm screwed when he leaves. Um, Tony, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the politicians and like favorite segments and how they handle it and how it can revive the uh, series itself? I think that the SNL version of politics actually has a lot more to do with the voting than a lot of people are willing to give it credit for. Uh, Tina Fey's Sarah Palin was the main reason why people knew what Sarah Palin was all about for a long time. And I'm yeah. sure that that applied in a lot of different ways to a lot of the other ones, too. Oh, Molly Shannon's on the screen. Ugh. I just thought of that like, there's a girl. She's going to rub her armpits and crap. God, she was so overrated. Uh, two... Great impressions that I used to love, though. Um, I loved the sketch that they did. Phil Hartman, again, bringing him up. Uh, as Bill Clinton going to McDonald's mm-hmm. was an amazing sketch. Uh, Daryl Hammond played a better Bill Clinton, though. Okay. And you talked about Dana Carvey with uh, Ross Perot, his George Bush. Oh, my God. Oh, Classic. Damn, that's good. And turn the corner. Not going to do it. <laughs> Not going to do it. Golf war. Bird of golf. <laughs> so uh, good I, I loved his Ross Perot where Phil Hartman was uh, whatever running mate he was a general that uh, was apparently batshit crazy and would just say the random things and they're driving along and they were doing this skit where Carvey as Perot tells it like pulls over on a side road in the middle of the country goes alright well go out there and check it and then he, he floors it leaving Phil Hartman behind <laughs> and he calls up his advisors yep I did it I left them behind we're back on track. We're going to win the presidency. And Phil Hartman comes running up from behind and grabs the car, stopping the car, gets into the passenger side, and he goes, you left me. <laughs> Carvey's like, ah, I must have hit, I thought I hit the brake. I hit the gas on accident. That was a good one. I remember that. Yeah, it just, the politicians, it's, 
I, I think it's gold whenever they hit it right. I know they had problems with the Bush era because there was like eight different people that played Bush. Um, speaking of, well, now that we're on the Bush topic, who do you think did the best Bush? You had Forte, Parnell, uh, Farrell. I want, I think those were the guys that did Bush. Yeah. Out of those three, Randy, who did you think did uh, Bush the best? I liked Forte. Tony? Parnell. Nice. I'm going to go with Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that the one that they had, like, everybody do their own version of Bush one episode? Like, even the black cast members? I think so. Because they, they ran into the problem. Like, uh, Farrell did it for the first year, and then he left. And then they were like, oh, well, who's going to do it now? And I, I, that's, I think they had everybody. But... Uh, Hammond, to his credit, is the best Dick Cheney impression I've ever seen. Yeah, that is. He's so good at that. (laughs) Oh, Tom Arnold. He's not funny. (laughs) Sorry. Got distracted by the red carpet. Um, (laughs) His life's funny. It's true. I don't know how you can marry, like, Roseanne Barr. I I don't know how come there's a bunch of people. We're looking at the red carpet, and you guys are watching this out there in the audio world. Um, There's a lot of people on here that had nothing to do with SNL that are there. Which I hope they don't include. Like I don't like Melissa McCarthy. Uh, no. She was on. A, she was a guest. Yeah, one-time guest. Twice. Whatever. <laughs> so OJ Simpson was a guest too. Are we gonna have him on there tonight? <laughs> Murdering yeah. some blonde yeah, of chicks. Dude, that'd be kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, uh, murders. What's her name? McKinnon. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it. Glove don't fit. And oh fuck, Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows can play Johnny Cochran like he used to. Yeah, he was great at that. Memory lane, memory lane. So we are underrated. <laughs> we are almost 18 minutes away from the Saturday Night Live special. So what we're going to do now is, Tony, SNL, final thoughts, what we're looking forward to in the future. You know, I hope that they can take a look back at the way that they've done these uh recaps they're going to do some more tonight and everything i want them to look at the old sketches that really worked and to try to implement that in the future uh something that i'm missing a lot is the act of subtlety um i would much rather watch weekend update with norm mcdonald and have him you know if he's gonna break subtlety and start it off with and here's the fake news you need to have some kind of an umph to it or, you know, the Celebrity Jeopardy ones were just amazing. And I don't know, you take a, a sketch that they would do now and they're kind of like pausing for laughter. They didn't do that as much back in the day. And mm-hmm. maybe that was just because they needed to cram in more or maybe they worked harder. Or maybe they were just better. I don't know. But you can take a, a sketch like the cowbell one. People still talk about that. And that's over a decade ago yet i don't know almost anything from the last five six years of snl period no you're so, you're, you're right it, it the subtlety is definitely gone yeah, they need to take a lot of lessons from the old stuff and you know not everything was perfect back then but maybe they just need to try harder maybe they need to um change up the game a little bit do some different style of comedy i don't know mm-hmm it's it, like you had said. It's it's a lot different than it's been in the past six years as it was before them, and and it always changes with the times. And you've definitely got to find that groove. And once you find a groove with somebody, it seems like Hollywood's scooping them up to go do something else. I think Sudeikis' time was uh, short lived on this show, 
Whereas if this was the 80s or 90s, he may have been on it longer because they wouldn't have picked him up as quick in Hollywood. There's Cowbell. Um, They're just running that now. <laughs> yeah. Did you see Odin Kirk in the background? Uh, I didn't notice him. I did notice Louis C.K. where he looked like he was really confused about where he should go. Yeah, it, it's weird to just to throw out some facts. There's some of the people that have written for Saturday Night Live. You've had uh, Bob Odenkirk, who's now on Better Call Saul. Conan O'Brien was a writer for the show for a long time. Jimmy Fallon's uh, right-hand man on The Tonight Show, Higgins, was a writer. That's where I, I never knew where the hell he came from because he's actually pretty funny. And it turns out he was an SNL writer. It's probably why Fallon was funny on SNL. Um, You've just got all these guys that had brief tenures at SNL and have launched them that you don't even know. There's a lot of unsung heroes in the background, such as like Odenkirk. I would never have associated him with SNL. Um, Randy, what are your final thoughts on SNL and where what uh, lies ahead for the future? I think um, in the future, like Tony was saying, look back on the sketches that worked and the subtlety. Like one of my favorite ones was uh, Colonel Angus. <laughs> and it's like, it's not something that everyone would get, but when you get it, it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think it's just the writing. The writing might need to, it, it seems like they're cutting it short. It does. And you guys both hit it on the head when you were talking about the subtlety in the writing. Uh, back in the 70s, 80s, and probably midway through the 90s, it was a, uh, I'm telling the joke, and now I got to pause because the audience is laughing to finish the joke. Whereas now it feels like I tell the joke, and I'm going to pause and wait for you to laugh before I tell the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, it, it kind of kills it. But at the same time, maybe that's just the way this generation is. I don't think they're doing too bad in the ratings. Um, but there's a lot of people that watch it like, us here on the show that you know we're we're expecting the 90s we're expecting the 80s we're expecting the 70s um so it's it's very interesting to see where the show has evolved and what it's been from 1975 to now less cocaine obviously but at the same time you know a lot more restrictions so those are our final thoughts here on snl I'm glad you guys uh, were able to take the time to join me tonight to reflect a little bit on the 40th anniversary. What we're going to do now is we'll go around the panel to find what everybody's doing here on Mega Powers Radio or elsewhere. Tony, we'll start with you. What do you got the plug? Uh, I'm going to be editing this episode in the next couple minutes (laughs) (laughs) and uploading this and checking out some old SNL sketches. I haven't watched the cheeseburger sketch in a while or uh, the... The Bulls or a lot of those kind of old things. So I'm going to be in SNL mood the whole rest of the night, checking out a bunch of old things. Uh, but stay tuned to um, smartoutmoment.com for any of the wrestling-related podcast stuff, Smack Talk and the Monday Night Raw post show. We've got a, possibly an episode of the All Talk Show coming up later on this week. And uh, everything else that you can find under fanboysanonymous.com, smartoutmoment, a mango tree, etc., etc. You'll find links and stuff all over the place on Facebook and Twitter. Miss Randy, do you have anything to plug? Um, not at all. <laughs> Just gonna watch SNL for a little bit and then probably uh, tune into Walking Dead. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, once again, I'd like to thank everybody listening to the show. Thank you so much for participating, or well, just listening. Leave comments below on the YouTube video when it's uploaded by Tony and his hard work. 
for all of us here at Mega Powers Radio, Fanboys Anonymous, The Dace Man Show, everything we do here, everyone that's involved. Thank you for listening, and make sure you tune in tonight, 8 o'clock, NBC, to watch the SNL 40th episode. Thank you, guys, and have a good night.